Well, hey there, podcast listener. How are you today? Like, really? Because if I could be honest, you're looking a little stressed out. And that's okay, because I've got your back. Because if you are feeling stressed out with life and work, left to feel unfulfilled, stuck, and ready for a new chapter to begin, well, I'm inviting you to change that. Because I want you to sit down with me and let's figure out a plan together, your life's roadmap, taking you from where you are right now and getting you to where you want to be. All you have to do is head on over to workwithkevin.coach. That is workwithkevin.coach to sign up. Until then, enjoy today's episode. What's up? I'm curious. Do you own a hydro flask? If you just ask yourself, what is a hydro flask? Then the answer is no. Because if you do, then you know it. You love it because there's no cooler water bottle than a hydro flask. Now, what I learned in today's episode is that behind a cool brand is an even cooler person because I got to sit down with the guy who created Hydro Flask. His name is Travis Rossbach, and he's waiting on the other side of this intro. His story, it's one of an entrepreneur, a one who lives his life in segments of five years. And so the key is you better hurry up and catch him because who knows where he'll be jetting off to next. Welcome to The Lowdown with Kevin Lowe, the podcast shining light on the inspiring stories of ordinary people choosing to live out anything but ordinary lives, all in the hope that you will be inspired to live out your best life, because this life, it's meant to be lived. And this podcast is meant to inspire you to do it. What's happening? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Kevin Lowe, the creator and host of The Lowdown with Kevin Lowe. And you're joining me today for what is episode number 83. In the studio with me today is Travis Rossback. Besides for being the founder of the billion dollar water bottle company, Hydroflask, Travis is also a serial entrepreneur, world explorer, and overall, he's just an awesome guy. You know, we we get this idea in our head of what somebody might be like. And I had in my head that anybody who created a brand as cool as Hydroflask has to be pretty cool. But when I talked with Travis for the first time, I was blown away because the guy is totally down to earth, super cool, super chill. And we just got along so perfect. Today's episode, today's conversation with Travis, it's about his life. But don't think of like that is something boring because we're talking to Travis Rossback. This guy has done it all, does it all. And I don't really see him slowing down anytime soon. So if you're into adventure, if you're into startups, if you're into entrepreneurship, design, you know, you name it. This guy has it, and today's episode is totally for you. And keeping up with the excitement, I want to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by a company that I know very well, because, well, (laughs) it's my company, Kevin Lowe Coaching. And that is where I work as a transformational life and business coach, helping those who have undergone some type of life-changing event, disability, medical diagnosis, 
or illness that has changed their life forever. I work with both men and women, but ironic enough for this five foot 11 guy with a full beard, my sweet spot is working with ladies. I guess all those times growing up with a single mom and an older sister, watching chick flicks and romantic love stories like when a man loves a woman made an impact on me. And well, I just kind of connect better with my ladies who are my clients. And so I get to work with them and helping them to kind of rebrand their life. They've gone through some stuff in life and now it's time that they want to take back control of their life. They want to step into a new career or they want to start their own business. Something that is truly something they're passionate about and brings them joy and excitement. And well, I get to be the one who helps them accomplish it. So if that is you, well, awesome. Be sure to check out the episode show notes where you'll find a link to learn more and you can go ahead and sign up for a free 30 minute coaching call with me and we can see if it's a good fit and then figure out things from there. All right. If you guys are ready, I'm totally ready because we got Travis waiting for me to finish with all this ramblings and so that we can get on and talking about things going on in his life. So without further ado, I introduce you to the man of the hour, Travis Rossback. Yeah, my name is Travis Rossback, and I, I grew up in Salem, Oregon, in the Willamette Valley of Creeping Death. <laughs> Willamette Valley actually does mean creeping death because of all the mold and everything. Oh, but wow. <laughs> side note, there. when I was uh, about, I don't know, I was, I was very, very young. My parents divorced, and um, my mom was single until I was about five. And she met my uh, stepdad, and he was an ex-Vietnam vet, Agent Orange, drugs, alcohol, kind of an all-around kind of surly dude. And uh, had a couple brothers. And then uh, when I was 12, my mom took off to Romania and adopted my Romanian gypsy sister, which is a whole nother wild story. <laughs> and then she divorced my stepdad and this all kind of happened right about 12 years old. And then I had a, a neighbor who was a very successful attorney and he died one morning. He went out for a run and never came back. And my mom was left to do the, the estate sale. And his sister said, Hey, you can have anything you want, you know, one thing in the house. And there's like this picture of a naked lady. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, nice artwork, but I didn't really <laughs> think it was practical since I was 12, you know, Rolexes and suits and all of this fancy, fancy stuff. And then we got to the top of the stairs and all of a sudden, like the angels started to sing. And like, I, I kind of went through this transformational portal of consciousness. There was this bookshelf. And I said, I want that. And she's like, you want the bookshelf? I said, no, I want all the books on it. And even before I could see what they really were, we got close to it. And it was like Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, all of these like inspirational who's who business leader, thought provoking, awesome books from like the late eighties and early nineties. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. I, I want that. So I spent a lot of time grounded and then in the Valley of the Creeping Death, it rains so much that I, you know, when I could not be outside, I was, I was just pouring through these entrepreneurial books 
And then when I was 14, my one day the doorbell rang and it was my grandpa. And he said, Hey, you want to go down and meet your dad? I'm like, yeah, sure. Where is he? Well, he's in the Virgin Islands in St. Croix. Okay. Is that up by <laughs> Africa or where is it? I don't care. I'm on my way. <laughs> and uh, took off and met him. And I was like, okay, that's, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be a scuba dive master and instructor. I'm going to take over the shop and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So when I turned 18, I, I took off to the Virgin Islands. I made it. So I took off to the Virgin Islands and um, started my life as a dive master and a dive instructor. Wow. 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 So, so was that the first time you had ever met your dad? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a, like a real vague memory of him when I was real young. I had just kind of like, a, I have like a flash being in the van with him for like, just a, just a, like a photographic flash memory. But really, yeah, when I was 14, I got off the plane and like, I didn't even know what he looked like. I, there was, there was like three guys and I thought, okay, I don't know that it's, there were three white guys. I should say, it's like, let's see, it's either him, him or him. Obviously it's not the black guys here. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, sure enough, like one by one, the other two kind of walked away and the third one walked up and Travis dad. Yep. Yep. All right, (laughs) let's go. And we went out and Got drunk at Mexican food. <laughs> wow. And so that was at 14 that that happened? Yeah. 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 So now what What was your mom? Was your mom happy about this? Well, my mom, you know, after the divorce, she started a daycare. And I had three, I had three siblings. I'm down to two now. But I had three siblings that she was very busy with them and very busy with the daycare. So she wasn't necessary. And I was seven years older than my youngest brother. And so I was always kind of off doing my own thing and not really a part of the family anymore at a pretty young age. And then 14 through 18, I was down in the Virgin Islands every single chance I could get every break, every Christmas, Thanksgiving, summer, every time I could get down there, I'd go back home to the Caribbean. Wow. 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 Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I want to ask some, some more questions about that. But before I do that, I have to go back to you talking about walking through this guy's house. And and as a 12 year old boy, you're given this opportunity, choose anything you want in here and it's yours. And so I'm wondering were you were you a kid who was into reading prior like because i'm sitting there thinking like what 12 year old doesn't be like no i want the shiny watch or i want you know the tv instead what made you be like i want those books you know kev it's it was otherworldly experience i don't even really know what happened everything like i i kind of had in mind that okay i want to go through the whole house before i make up my mind like i don't want to jump too soon and pick a when I should have taken C. And so I, I, I was kind of taking a mental inventory as I was walking through thinking, okay, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Whoa, that's interesting. And wow, that'd be fun. But, <laughs> but I remember it like, it's such a clear memory and I don't, I mean, I have, I have some clear memories, but I also suffer a little bit of like, can't remember shit sometimes. So it's like the, one of the most vivid memories that I have where like, I put my first foot on the stair and I looked at the top of the staircase and like 
the birds were singing and the, the cherubs were fluttering around and there was harpsichords playing and the, you know, it was like everything just changed. Like there was something that I could feel internally that happened that kind of like cracked or it broke. I mean, we were eating government cheese next door. We were, I mean, my mom was doing the best we could, but we were, you know, welfare recipients. And yet this guy's got Rolexes and nice, you know, fancy, fancy, fancy things that I'd never seen. I'd never experienced maybe on TV, but absolutely never in real life. And there was something about the bookshelf that was just like, I could feel that there was a direct correlation between his success and this bookshelf for some reason. And yeah. sure enough, I, it, it turned out to be the books that, that do help with success. So yeah, there must've been something. Yeah, there. No doubt, man. Well, I, I just, that's a really just awesome, awesome story. And uh, wow. I, I mean, my goodness, that's, that's so cool. So now, so life, so now you're, you, you've moved down to the Virgin Islands, which I can say from visiting the Virgin Islands on cruises and stuff. Oh my goodness. Absolutely breathtaking. And, and so, so down there, so kind of where did life go from, from that point? I mean, because I don't know. I, I mean, I guess thinking, you know, once you're there, do you ever leave? <laughs> you know? so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, that was the million dollar question. That was always the biggest thing that I struggled with was I don't want to ever leave. And it was you know, a lot of times it was very dangerous. There was lots of debauchery, a lot of fun, a lot of jovial, happy, happy memories. But I never really wanted to leave. But I realized as I would typically what would happen is in the wintertime, we'd get super busy. I'd save up all of my money. I'd, I'd work, you know, relentlessly 24-7 as a dive instructor, dive master eventually as a boat captain. And, and I just save up all my money, all my tips, all my money in the season. And then in the summertime, when it got really slow, not as much tourism, I'd take off and I'd go travel to the far side of the world and I'd go and experience other countries and other worlds. And I realized, I was fortunate enough to realize at a fairly young age, probably, you know, I, I don't know, 20 or so that the Caribbean is a really good place to go to die. Like if you're old, you go down to the Caribbean and you drink yourself to death or you partake in debauchery until you're dead. At 20, I realized I'm too young to be here. Like I need to go into the rest of the world. I need to go have my adventures and go, you know, find the proverbial chalice. And then I can always return home when I'm, you know, pushing 80 or so is a great way to just go down there and, and wrap up life. So I was glad that I broke away, but at the same time, I, I miss it so much. It's like, it's such a, it's, it's a struggle to stay. I mean, it was nine degrees here this morning in bend. <laughs> so it's like my hands are starting to hurt. Can I go home? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've got a daughter now and I did leave to have, uh, you know, a family because I knew that I, I couldn't really have 
it's just not a conducive place to raise children. And so, you know, I'm here for now, but yeah, if ever I don't answer, it's because I'm I'm back home in the in St. <laughs> Croix. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so so I just have to say, like, just knowing the little bit that you shared so far, coming from, you know, a family with your mom, you guys are on welfare. To then, you know, this this kid who gets an opportunity to go down to the Caribbean, yet you kept knowing that there was more that you were supposed to be doing, not getting stuck in that environment, not letting, you know, your current circumstance kind of dictate your future. And I think that says a lot about you as a person, the fact that you kind of kept knowing, like, you know what, I... I I got to keep going. I'm, I'm made for more. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like we were one of the kind of prominent families really in St. Croix anyway, having the dive shop and my dad had had the, the company for, well, now, you know, it's like 10, 15 years, you know, so he'd been down there for quite a while. And so we had a pretty well-established family name and, you know, we, we knew a lot of people. I mean, we stuck out you know, A, just being white, but B, because we were there for so long and we knew dang near almost everybody. There's only, I think, like 50,000 on the island at the time. And I remember having a very real big fish, small pond type thing where it's like, okay, I've outgrown the pond, you know, and like as much as I love this pond and and I love all the fish in it, well, not all of them, some of them that were you know, the, the bad fish were not fun, but the good fish were, were awesome. And yeah, there was a sense of, okay, you know, I may never be a big fish in a big pond, but that's okay. I at least need to go swim in the big pond for a while. And then I can always come back home to this pond. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, so then from, from that point, I mean, when did you embark on this just true entrepreneurial journey. I mean, especially, you know, coming up, you know, with the whole invention of the Hydra Flask. And I mean, where did that all come from? Well, later on after, uh, so I was a, a, a charter pilot living in Florida, you know, fast forward through the Caribbean up to Florida. And I was flying jet charters. And one day I realized like, oh, like I've been flying every single day for the last year. And then all of a sudden I haven't flown in three days. Something's amiss. What's going on? And I went into the office and I asked him like, what's the deal? Why am I not flying? And they said, oh, well, you know, there's this, this thing on your record and we had to let you go. I'm like, well, were you uh. going to tell me that you were going to let me go? <laughs> and then I'm like, what thing on my record? And they, you know, we talked about it and they realized that, oh, <laughs> No, never mind. You know, that that was a mistake. Our bad. Please, you know, go jump in the jet. We got a flight for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, now hold on a second. Wait, no, I'm, you know, so my head starts to trip. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how can you, I, like, if I could just get fired like that and not even be told that I was fired and for something that wasn't even my f- fault and it was a just complete error on their part, like, I felt very unstable. I felt like, man, I don't get paid enough money to have this kind of insecurity of, you know, income. And so I quit. I said, no, I'm, I'm done. Like you guys, you can't fire me. I quit. And (laughs) I, and I did, I was like, I'm done. And 
I had a, a girlfriend at the time who she had her business degree and she had had a couple businesses before. And so we started a, a real estate investment company there in like kind of like Stewart, Palm City, Florida, down in your neck of the woods. And yep. it it didn't go well. Like I wasn't enthralled with like, I mean, we were offering people pennies on the dollar for their houses and we were going to take them and flip them. And it just didn't feel good. I just, I just didn't like it. So I said, Hey, I'm going back to Oregon and you can come with me or you can stay here, but I'm on my way out. And she's like, Oh, well, I don't have anything really going on. I'll come with you. So we got back to bend and started a fence company, just kind of on a whim after a bottle of wine. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> had like this really super duper successful fence company. And about a year later, I realized, oh, it's nine degrees and I'm digging holes in the ice. Like this sucks. <laughs> I need to warm up. Took off to Oahu for like a really long time. I was like in Waikiki for like nine days, which is a long time to be on, on holiday in Waikiki. <laughs> it's super expensive. And I fell in love. I was like, I live in Oahu. This is it. This is where I need to be. And so returned back to Bend, sold that. And I told her, I said, hey, you can keep the company or you can sell it. But either way, I, I live in Oahu now. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm super down to go move somewhere warm. <laughs> so yes, we sold. And uh, first we were in Maui for a little while. And then we moved over to Oahu. And Kind of, again, it was just kind of one of those, what do we do now? Well, you know, like I must have seen, I don't know. I I don't remember the exact moment that I realized that I wanted to do signs and banners. I always had kind of a fascination with printing for some reason. I have no idea what it is, but I, I enjoy the concept of like embellishing a blank white canvas slate with color. And like, I guess that's probably why I love tattoos because it's like, I just see this open canvas that needs to be that, that they can be, you know, beautiful with colors and stuff. So I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about what, what the, what is the word Genesis of, okay. Of Oahu signs and screen printing was, but I, so we started a, a sign company and we quickly kind of grew into this like agency where we were just helping businesses with, any stage with anything that they needed, business cards, brochures, banners, big outdoor signs, embroidery, you know, merch, swag, swag, stuff we all get, shit we all get, all of that we produced. And then one day I was thirsty and from my rock climbing days, I knew of Nalgene water bottles. So I went into the sporting goods store in in Honolulu and the whole shelf was just completely empty. There were, there was only two water bottles left. And I was like, Hey, what happened? And the guy says, well, there's this stuff. We're not really sure about it, but it's called BPA and we don't really know what it is, but as a precautionary measure, the owner pulled all the bottles. And I said, well, who's uh... going to fill up this wall? And the guy says, nobody, there's, there's no other brands. And it, I, you know, like it was one of these weird things, Kevin, where it just comes in the back of my head and right out my mouth. And I said, I will, I will do that. And (laughs) from the time I said it to just a millisecond later, he laughed at me. And in the middle of that, uh, just before, you know, that 
transition or that that pivot point there, I, I saw the future and I saw myself up on stage talking about this highly successful water bottle company and about 10 years in the future. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And uh, sure enough, 10 years later, I was down in California up on stage at a university going, oh, geez, <laughs> this is this is the... <laughs> this is what I was seeing 10 years ago, like major deja vu. Oh my God. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So though, back up to Hawaii. So we've moved from Florida to Oregon. We we did the fence business and we said, okay, it's too cold. We're moving to Hawaii. Now we're in Hawaii. You, you guys are selling merch, the, the promotional goods, all that kind of stuff. You go to grab a water bottle. You have this this vision. You come back to the girlfriend. What do you say to her? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing I did was we had an employee. Like I always like to have employees that are younger than me, so I can kind of keep up with what's hip and cool and trending. Yeah, and I asked. The employees, I'm like, what do I do for a water bottle? And they they gave me their opinions and I went out and I bought them. And then I asked my brother and I went out and I bought it. There were only two other ones on the market at the time. And I tried them and they sucked. And I, I think after, you know, and this was back when water bottles were plastic and or they had aluminum and the aluminum had BPA in them also. And, or there was a single wall company that was making single wall bottles and they all just sucked. They just were not as cool as I thought that they could be. And as I was starting to do more and more research, I remember her asking like, why do we have three water bottles in the house? Like this is unheard of, you know, (laughs) I'm doing market research. I had this idea for this water bottle company. And then pretty soon I drove all over the Island buying like, pop bottles and milk bottles and juice bottles and any kind of bottle I could find to measure the mouth opening and what's a good size and what's too big and what's too small. And I started drawing up and, and it's ironic. I just realized this week that the very first hydro flask looks just like a scuba dive tank. It's it, like, it's pretty wild. Oh, wow. So, so explain to me, describe one of these bottles to me. Like material, like how it feels, colors, like. Yeah, yeah. So my grandpa had a, a like an old school big coffee thermos. And I always remember, actually, I still have it right here, but it was like real heavy and it was, it's kind of stunk and it wasn't, it was, it was good for coffee, but <laughs> if you don't drink coffee out of it, then it, it wasn't really any good for water or for anything else besides just hot coffee. But I, it made me think that maybe there, that technology could be morphed into something different. And we could take out the glass and we could put in another wall of, of stainless steel metal and, you know, make it, make it more like, uh, like a water bottle, like something we could actually drink water out of. And so that's kind of how it started. I, I just started drawing up like, kind of like what, the you know single use plastic water bottles looked like but with the better mouth size and just just a better all around 
double wall vacuum insulated 18.8 stainless steel food grade powder coating. So it's super durable food grade powder coating. So it's non-toxic. And originally I think we had maybe like six colors to choose from. And then every sort of season we would change out one or two or add two or three more. And it just kept growing like that. Wow. Wow. So now at what point, I mean, was there, was there any like pivotal point when you knew, wow, this is going somewhere big? I think, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty dang quick. The very first time we sold the bottles was up at the Portland Saturday market. And the very first day they told us, no, you know, nobody's going to buy water bottles. We don't, we won't let you in to get a booth. I was like, well, you know, you're letting other people in. Why don't you let us in? They're like, because nobody buys water bottles. Everybody buys, you know, framed beetles and framed butterfly, dead butterflies, but nobody buys water bottles. I'm like, well, that's not cool, but okay. You know? And so she, so the woman running the, the market put us out on the train tracks and by golly, we made our first sale and then our second and then our third. And then pretty soon the line wrapped around in front of her office and she got pissed. She's like, what are you people doing standing in line out here? Well, we want to get those water bottles. Nobody buys water bottles. What do you mean? And she walks up and she sees us, you know, throwing water bottles and catching cash. And she's like, okay, fine. You guys can come into the market. <laughs> so like getting that first 10 by 10 booth at the Portland Saturday market was, was a pretty big day. You know, it was like, it took us two weeks, yeah. but by golly, we got on the inside and we were selling bottles. And then, you know, within a month or so people were coming to the market just to buy second, third, fourth, fifth bottles. And it's like, okay, you know, like, I, I think this just may work. Yeah, no, man, that is so awesome. So, well, I can tell you that the other day, I guess about a week or so ago, I was actually talking with a buddy and he lives out in, out in Los Angeles in California. And, and he was asking me about the podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, I'm actually, I said, I'm getting ready. I'm got an interview with, with Travis. He's the one who invented the Hydro Flask. And he's like, I'm like, he's like, we've got, we've got two sitting on our counter right now. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was always the, like that, you know, like we had the added benefit that drink water, get healthy. Like we have yeah. a good product that does good things. And so I never had any qualms, you know, I had qualms buying and selling and flipping houses because I didn't feel real ethical about it just to make money. But selling water bottles, yes, I believe I firmly then and now still firmly believe everybody needs multiple water bottles to drink water out of. And the more you hydrate, the better you feel, the better your life gets. And so I never had any issues selling them. And I think that that passion really kind of shone through and then as we started to pick up employees, we would look for that same kind of attribute that, you know, like how passionate are you about hydration, you know, and everybody, you know, would say that they were, but we would find that, that some were more than not. And the ones that were more adamant, they had had a personal firsthand experience with going from non-hydrated to hydrated, you know, those were the employees we were looking for. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now, now you ended up, did you end up selling the company eventually? 
I did. Yeah. There was a, a point at which like the season was over and after about four or five years, I tend to get kind of bored. Yep. And uh, yeah, I just, I got to the point where I, I kind of re- relay it to like when I was a pilot and I had a goal and a dream of flying, I don't know, you know, a number 25 different airplanes or so. And once I flew about 22, 23, 24 airplanes that were on the list, it, it kind of got to been there, done that kind of thing. And I, I sort of had that with Hydro Flask where it's like, okay, we got into REI, we got into the military, we got into these really big dicks and Cabela's and, you know, Sportsman's Warehouse and Canadian. We were international in Europe and we had a Japanese or a South Korean and a Japanese, you know, so we were an international brand. And I found that it was going a lot more corporate than I really wanted to move myself. And my brother had just died and I'd had a, a bunch of different, like just stuff going on in my life. And I was ready for the next adventure. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. And and, and one thing I, I was sitting here thinking about what I would love to ask you about is what I find pretty cool about your entrepreneurial journey is I've never heard anything about college, getting a big business degree. Uh-uh. That never happened? Nope. Nope. It never did. So I was a boat captain on a yacht or excuse me, I was a first mate on a yacht and, but I was, I was a boat captain. I had my captain's license, but I was on a yacht as a first mate. And I, I got tired of the captain and I didn't, they wanted me to take over his position, but I didn't like him and I didn't want to. And I, one day I just quit and I was walking down the boardwalk and I thought, Oh geez, that was more money than I'll probably ever see in my entire life. And I just walked away from it. What am I going to do? And it hit me, you're a pilot. And I literally had like $6 in my name and I got this piloting magazine and I started calling all these flight schools. They said that I needed a college degree and I needed all these hours and it's going to be about $180,000. And I was like, I have six bucks. Like, what can I get for $6? And finally, one of the schools said, well, you need student loans. You need student aid. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That, I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. So I started online through Utah Valley State College to get my aviation degree so that I could go work for Seaborne Airlines. And then I started flying for the airlines and they didn't care if I had a degree or not. So I stopped. So I did about four years of aviation, but I never did cap it off with a bachelor's degree though. I, I, because I was flying for the, I was doing exactly what I wanted to do with the degree and didn't need it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, that's cool. So, but, but so kind of, I guess to my, my point in all that is the fact of, I mean, I, I think college is, is amazing for the right person, but I feel my personal belief is that I don't really feel like college is necessary to do a lot of things. I've never found and, it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. I was like, oh, but I don't know where this is going. Hopefully it's not going to be a fight. But 
<laughs> I, I would love to get into a fight with you, Kevin. I'd love to see how that would go. I can't imagine that that would ever happen. So therefore, I think it'd be super fun. <laughs> the, the ratings could go through the roof, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the lowdown goes viral. <laughs> yeah, the download numbers on the podcast will be soaring. Kevin and Travis face off mid interview. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so I'm curious, kind of like, what does life look like for you now? I mean, I guess I guess it's one of those things. I mean, I mean, I don't need you to reveal your age or anything, but just talking to you, you're not like some old guy who's who's spent his whole life building up this water bottle business, sold it, and now he's, you know, just sitting on the back porch, you know, uh, drinking uh, Country Time Lemonade and, and waiting for, for bedtime. I mean, so you strike me as, as though you're probably somebody who, who life's still just uh, charging forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I sold, I'm, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like maybe 33 or so when I sold. I'm 43 now. I, I don't know. Maybe I was 35 or so. Yeah. After I sold, you know, it was like the first time I was able to pay off my student loans and pay off our, I had friends and family on my side that really heavily invested in Hydro Flask and due to, you know, poor legal contracts, they were never paid off and I owed them personally. And so I was able to pay off all of the early friends and family investors and pay off my student loans and aviation loans and everything. And, and just the credit card debt from starting the company. And after that, I was like, you know, Hey, now what do I do? And, and, and so of course I go back to travel and I mean, that's really why I do most anything that I do is just so that I can pay for my addiction of travel. And <laughs> <laughs> I work really hard for about five years. And then I try to take, you know, four or five years and do something that either I am really, really passionate about or, or kind of take off and just do not a lot, but, but travel. And so I did that. I took five years and traveled and, and then all of a sudden yoga like kind of struck me. I got struck by yoga and got into yoga quite a bit, traveled around doing festivals and trainings and teachings and things like that. And then I returned back home to Oregon and I bought some property that has a bunch of juniper trees, which are non-native species. And they drink up all the groundwater for the ponderosas that need them, need the water even worse. <laughs> So I got some chainsaws and started chainsawing. I watched a YouTube video on how to run a chainsaw. And <laughs> I just got like, I like, it's almost a, an addiction, I guess. I guess I couldn't say, I guess I have to admit it is the first step, but I'm almost addicted to chainsawing juniper trees now. <laughs> it's like um, i don't know if they have a program for that like you know like that like that alcoholic anonymous or i'm not sure if they have something for that addiction but i'm sure i can google it chainsaws anonymous if we, if we need to get you in a program you know? <laughs> it honestly does take over my life there are times where i don't want to do anything else other than fire up the chainsaw so yeah, I, I guess it is kind of becoming an issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I made yeah, it here I, now today. Well, I'm so. thinking. I, well, I was sitting there thinking, 
wow, Kevin, maybe you were wrong. He does sound like that old <laughs> guy on the on the back porch drinking dr- drinking his country time lemonade, living life on the slow lane, looking at trees to cut down. You know. So. <laughs> Well, it's, it's one of these things where like now I have a daughter also that, you know, so I'm a single dad and I don't ride my motorcycles anymore. I don't go rock climbing much at all anymore. I don't really go travel to third world countries where I put myself right in the middle of dangerous situations anymore. And so cutting down trees is the closest thing to like getting in, like I, I get into the zone when I cut the trees. Cause when I cut a big ass tree and it could fall on me or, you know, like, and I cut them flat so that they fall a lot faster, but it's a lot more dangerous. Cause I never know which direction they're going to really fall. <laughs> and so it's like the most excitement that I can have and still stay close to home. Like death is, is here, but it's, you know, I, I do it in a fairly like, well, Maybe not a safe way, but a manageable way. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no doubt. Well, man, that's too funny. Too funny. Now, are you surprised that that you're back in the state that you grew up in? Uh, yes, I am. But I am about three hours away. So we have much nicer blue skies. It doesn't rain as much. We get snow versus rain. But um you know, and now we've got, I think we just had like, I don't know what the exact number is, but it feels like we had about 4 million Californians move in. And so yeah. we got, uh, we got a lot more culture, I guess you could call it. You know, there's a lot of beautiful women, a lot of beautiful people that just moved in. So that's, that's nice. And we have new restaurants and things here in Bend, but I would have, yeah, I would have not ever, especially at like 1920 when I was on the far side of the world, like I would have never believed I'd be back in Oregon. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I just, I think it's funny because I think life, life has a, has a really kind of weird way of, of taking us full circle and in different aspects of life. And, you know, and, and so sometimes you feel like it's like some type of gravitational pull, like, you know, like, like there's something greater working in the universe that, that I'm supposed to be in the same spot where it started. You know, yeah, it's it's it is. I, there is a bit of a prodigal son returning type of feel to it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, Travis, man, super awesome to have the chance to meet you to have you on the podcast today. Any any last words for those listening from your awesome uh, wisdom self? Well, you know, if you want to get a hold of me right now, I'm doing the Tumalo Group and. We help businesses kind of go from wherever they are to wherever they want to be. And we help a lot of people who have an idea for a product or a widget and they want to bring it to market and they want to bring it to life. We help do sourcing and find factories to work with to to bring that product to life and engineers and drawing, you know, graphic design and the whole nine yards. So yeah, Travis at Tumalo, T-U-M-A-L-O group, G-R-O-U-P dot com or info at Tumalo group dot com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Travis Rossback, R-O-S-B-A-C-H. And yeah, if anybody has an idea or, you know, they have a business or they just, you know, want to chit chat, let me know. I, I'm always interested in interesting people. That's that's super awesome. Super awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. So when, when did you start this business? I started this about 
four, four and a half, five years ago, five years it's been. Oh, no. And I just oh, had no. so oh, many no. people. Oh, you think I'm coming towards the end? <laughs> yeah, because that's what I was sitting there. I thought, I'm like, please tell me he just started it so I could tell everybody listening. Listen, you need to quit contact him. You've only got a few years left. But now we're down to mere months. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's so ironic. I just put this together. But yeah, we just had a like I just brought on a, a, a like a like help, like an employee. And we're having a major overhaul and a major shift of focus and everything else. We're going more towards the advising and helping companies go from overseas manufacturers to more domestic Mexico, United States, Canadian based factories. And so, yeah, that's funny because I hadn't even put that together till just now, Kevin. Like we are right now going through this major transition, but still offering everything that we've always offered. But I just built a studio, like an office. And so like, I know I'll be here. Well, now I have a daughter too. And so I've got an, another decade or so before I can go walk about again. So you've got about a decade to contact me before I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. Sounds good. And for, for those of you listening to this in the future, this this is in the year 2022. So get him, get him while he's hot. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then there's yeah. going to be a point where I get old enough to where I can go back down home to the Virgin Islands and yeah, I, I will not even have a flip phone then. So <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> you know what? There there is something to be said about when you're when you're down in the Caribbean and time stops for a reason. And and like you said, at that moment it is, it's truly forget about the technology, forget about the phone, and just live in the moment, you know? Yes. Yeah, man. So, well I missed that. Well, Travis. Again, man, I want to thank you so much for for being a guest here on the podcast. And I I just truly thank you for your time today. Kevin, thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun to talk to you. I never know where we're going to go. And I always love every direction that it ends up going. So thank you so much for having me on the lowdown. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. And uh, for you listening today, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. And uh, well, you just uh, be sure you're getting out there living life to the fullest and take this guy for a little inspiration that uh, if you don't like where you are, look at your timetable. If it's been over five years, make a change. Yep. And that's the lowdown with Kevin Lowe. I hope today's episode inspired you, motivated you, and excited you to get out and enjoy life, no matter what obstacles may be standing in the way. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.